0: Okay, welcome to episode 15 of God's Own Scale. Um, crikey number 15 that sounds like I'm in serious territory and a serious danger of this thing going on. Uh, for some time, it's probably just over 12 months. Uh, the podcast has been going now, and on the call with me today, I've got somebody I think was episode two, uh, one of my Uh, very first callers and guests on the podcast i've got mr peter riley back with me hi peter how are you
1: hello i'm fine fine A, a lot has gone past uh, since we last spoke isn't it <laughs> I would say.
0: if you could have had a crystal if you could have had a crystal ball Peter yeah. to say that the world be, would have gone through what it has in the last 12 months yeah. I think you could have made yourself a million couldn't you oh, uh, if, if you, you could know. only
1: predict it I mean that would be the thing wasn't it you know worldwide pandemics and, and what else God. yeah um, elections
0: brexits yeah. And, oh yeah. my goodness yeah, yeah. It's, it's a different world isn't it that we're living in
1: absolutely um yeah cuz last last time we spoke i i think we were we were we we're in the rosy glow of just having won the uh, best participation game at uh, salute yes and uh, so that sort of seems to have set us off on a bit of a path i mean we've done a few upgrades to the website the the wargamer collection calculator website and and, th- and then sort of this all hit <laughs>
0: I know it's uh, yeah. I mean, everything and uh, every plan has, has just been thrown to the wind, doesn't it? And and, yeah. and blown away, to be honest. But it looks like, and we'll touch. I'll, I'm going to touch a little bit of wood next to I me. Mean, it looks like we're just coming through the other side of it. And um, let's keep our fingers crossed that next year the show season will get back underway and we yeah. can meet up again. Um, so, just referring back, then, there you've just mentioned uh, War Games, collect- War Game. Is it War Gamer Collection? Um, I think calculator?
1: we've changed it. Uh, Dave made me change it to War Games Collection Calculator. Right. I think we might be dropping the War Games at some point. But, oh, you know, okay. Who knows? <laughs> Marketing is a strange world. <laughs> it,
0: it is. It is. Uh, but just for uh, anybody that uh, isn't aware of. What that is. Peter, do you want to just give us a quick rundown on, on what you're talking about?
1: Okay, well, Wargamer Collection Calculator was really our attempt to get uh, prices for people's uh, collections um, so they could put realistic prices on their figures and their collections. And so part of that was about trying to find insurance. So how do you insure your your collections against loss or damage or, or whatever. Um, so we decided to put up a, a calculator on the website where you could put your collection in and you can get a valuation of your uh, wargaming figures so that you could present that to an insurer and say, I'd like to insure these as part of my you know, housing insurance house insurance, or, or whatever insurance you wanted. So that's how Collection Calculator was born. Um, but since then we've we've done lots of upgrades you can now throw up a uh, an Excel spreadsheet of your collection onto the website and, and get your uh, collection calculated so we've done lots of different things we've expanded our uh, directory so there's I think there's about 1500 different shops and traders on our website and also you can manage your own uh, Your own parts of the website so you can go in and you can look at blogs and directories and all that sort of thing. And part of it was that um, because we had this um, hit with uh, the Battle of the Little Bighorn over the last season, um, we did it at Joyous Six as well, and we thought actually there might be a way of maybe replicating this for sets of rules for sort of younger players and older players to get actually together to to get people into the hobby so we've been quite busy
0: you have and um that that's really going to be the meat and bones of this conversation um we touched on it in the first conversation we had over 12 months ago now um about this the system that you were going to come up with where people could write their own rules for gaming battles, I know that much. But just before we go on to that, one thing that interested me, and you, you may correct me here, I may be wrong, but regarding the uh, insurance aspect of the calculation, uh, collection calculator, um, is it right that people generally undervalue the figures that they have? Oh, the collections. That yeah, they have.
1: absolutely. I mean, if it, it seems to go to extremes, they either overvalue them to the point where it it seems impossible to actually get a unit of figures that are that price, yes. or they undervalue them in the extreme. Um, so what what we've tried to do is get a little bit of a an average. So you know we want to give a, a fair price for a fair unit of figures, so that. You know, people can say, well, you know, I've bought them, I've based them, I've built them, I've painted them, I've put the effort in and they're ready to go. And then, you know, they put a a silly price on it because they don't have any idea what the value of their collection is. So that's what we've tried to do is to try to give people the ability to look at their collections and say, well, actually, that's quite a lot. And we did have a lot of people early on saying to us, well, you know, that's all good. But I don't want my wife or my partner finding out <laughs> what what I've actually spent <laughs> and what they're actually worth. Yeah. And, and one guy even said, he said, I'm, "I'm not sure I want my wife to know how much more my collection's worth because if I die, it's going to be sold straight away." So yeah. even, even to that extent, you know that people are concerned, and and I think that's a part of our wargaming community, isn't it? We're a bit yes mistrustful of those those parts of the hobby where we've been spending money and painting and putting all the effort in.
0: Yeah. that's an interesting point actually, um, because it's not just the cost of the metal or the plastic. Now Um, there's that time and effort that you've put in and how much value that that adds to the cost of that initial figure. So one pound 28 mil figure that you buy off uh, whichever company Once you've put your time and effort into preparing that and painting it and varnish it and then putting a base on it or whatever, uh, there's got to be some added value there, hasn't there, that perhaps some of us don't appreciate?
1: Well, I think, you know, if you were going for a job, you'd expect a rate per hour, wouldn't you? Yeah. My my idea is why should that be free to somebody buying your figures off you? Yes. And, you know, there's a rate for the job, isn't there? In in the same way, there's a rate for producing a unit of painted figures ready for the war game.
0: Yeah, and uh, there's been quite a a spat going on uh, online, actually, uh, over the last few days about the value of that paint uh, for a commission painter. Yeah. How much value you put on that? Because uh, if you look at, uh, I don't know what the... um, national yeah. wage, minimum wage is at the moment, but let's say somewhere close to £10 an hour yeah. and it takes somebody two hours to paint a 28 mil figure. How many of us are willing to pay £20 wow. for that figure?
1: Wow. Yeah. And, you know, there is a reasonable calculation that says, you know, if you can get up like a factory process and you can do all these things, you know, at a premium, yes. yeah. you know, then you're going to have to pay for, for a premium price. Or, or yes. like you and I, spend most of your life learning how to paint yes. and produce figures and yeah. and get a reasonable return for that.
0: I think the best advice I was ever given around painting figures, or I, I ever heard given, it wasn't directly to me, it's by Duncan McFarlane, the old editor of um, War Games Illustrated, yeah. who said... Um, Paint ten thousand figures, and your ten thousand and first figure should be all right. <laughs> that sounds
1: about right, doesn't it? Yeah, it does.
0: There's no, there's no easy way. No, <laughs> you've just got to put the hours in. Yeah, you've got um, to put the. Hours.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I went to six mil because I wanted lots of figures on the table, but they still have to be painted, prepared, and yes, and, and you know the amount of love and care you put into them.
0: And yeah.
1: You know, you should be rewarded for that. That's my view, anyway.
0: Yes, well, I shall subscribe to that view. Uh, the uh, the website itself um, is that is that a subscription site? Is there a fee for this service?
1: No, no, it's completely free. You just sign up and you, and you use it. Um, the thing we're trying to do at the moment is we're trying we've we've got a a friend who works in insurance, and we're trying to get uh, an insu- like a specialist insurance for wargamers um the thing the only thing is is there's not a we've got we've got about nearly two thousand people on the website, but that's worldwide um in the u k it's about a thousand so we just need more people registering and putting their interest into the website so um, hopefully in the new year when this all settles down a bit, we'll be doing a bit of work to try and get more traders to be involved in the site and more and more gamers to, to just log in and, and, and use the site a bit so that we can get this insurance company interested in providing us an insurance deal. Um, but at the moment, if you put your collection on, you can download a PDF and send that off to your insurance company and they'll give you a quote based on that. And that's all completely free
0: fantastic what a great service that is um and the website for that is
1: um it's uh collection i thought um,
0: i was putting you on the spot then peter i, I suddenly <laughs> had a, a terrible thought thinking oh my goodness
1: <laughs> if you go into google and you put wargame collection calculator it'll it'll show you the way
0: fantastic okay so now that's out the way as interesting as that discussion was um I don't know if you remember, Peter, in our first chat, I was incredibly excited at the prospect of you uh, designing this system where people could uh, pick up a booklet and use the methods in there and the templates within it to write their own rules to fight just about any uh, any battle in history. And in front of me on my tablet, I have that book, uh, building rules for gaming battles that you very kindly sent through me to me uh, to have a look at, um, and you know how excited I am about this <laughs> because we we've uh, we 've messaged each other about yeah. my plans yeah. but um, the reason i 've got you back today peter is is to talk about this because i don 't think i 've ever seen this done before in the hobby and i 've been gaming for thirty five years i think now i don 't think i 've ever seen this concept. Put out there, um, hence my excitement for it, and hence me spending a little bit more than I wanted when the Bacchus card opened oh, last week. I
1: ordered again as well.
0: Did oh, you? Yeah.
1: I got my uh, my uh, Americans for my next uh, my world my next World War II set of rules. So, yeah,
0: brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't resist it. I couldn't resist it. My birthday's coming up. I thought, why not treat yourself? Splash out.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I hope um, it's not
1: another two point two five kilos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not quite, mate. <right> <laughs> that was uh, that. Yeah, that was a hefty, hefty, yeah. hefty uh, weight in, in in six mil <laughs> yeah. figures. That was. Yeah. I dread to think how many individual figures there are were in that <laughs> Uh I have made a start. I have made a start. They aren't. Uh, they, they aren't acting as insulation <laughs> in my loft as most <laughs> collections tend to do. No. <laughs> um, okay, so. Let's let's start at the beginning then, Peter. Um, talk talk me through how this came into existence.
1: Okay, uh, as you know, David Pede, who is uh, my co-conspirator with the Wargame Collection Calculators uh, website, was we were sitting in a pub when you could sit in a pub uh, back <laughs> in the day.
0: Oh, um, those days! Yeah,
1: God. <laughs> um, saying, right, what are we going to do to sort of get the message out? And one of my first things was, well, you know, why don't we put a game on somewhere? And David did his usual thing and said, oh, yeah, what game's that? And I said, well, we'll have to make it up because we've never done this before. Um, I've got lots of experience of war games and I, I love shows and, you know, I'd love to put a game on. And I said, one of my favourite battles from all time uh, Was the Battle of the Little Bighorn and I'd only ever seen that done as the last stand you know big figures lots of Indians last stand I said but I want to put on the whole battle I'm not I'm not just interested in the last bit I want to do the whole campaign and I want to have a look at how we can do that um and I said but but the thing we're doing a participation game is it can't it has to be available to people who are six years old and people who are 60 years old plus I said, it's got to be available to everybody and it can't last more than 45 minutes. And so what we did was we sat down, we looked at the figures we'd need. We looked at what we would hopefully try to achieve and it, and it basically grew from there. Um, so we had four boards on the game. We had all the figures. I think we had something like 50 odd bases of, of six mil figures and we had lots of cards and printouts and, and things available and we play tested it to to death and we couldn't get it to under an hour um and we just wasn't satisfied with that so we went back and we redrew the game and i just basically pared down each of the parts of the game to make it fit into the 45 minutes and it worked really well and so out of that i thought okay that works and like i said earlier on we 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 won best participation game in the show basically because there was a massive range of age groups who were coming along and playing and there was lots of noise and lots of people around the table and i just thought to myself this is good this is really getting a lot of people together i mean there were there were fathers bringing their children up to play and saying um, how long is this going to be? So I said, about 40 minutes. So why don't you go off and do a bit of shopping and then come back and we'll, we'll probably just about be done. So it was a very popular afternoon and day. I can imagine yeah. yeah, from the parents. <laughs> from the parents. Should, yeah. Oh, I'm going to buy some figures. I, said, I was telling them where the Bacchus uh, ah, shop was. And good. so so out of that, I, I kind of said to Dave, if we could probably do a bit more with this, um, it's been very popular. People are interested in it, you know, and we've posted it up. But I said, I'd, I'm, I've now got the bit between my teeth. I want to do another game for next year. And so Dave, with his, his normal aplomb, said, well, what's your next favourite battle then? <laughs> not... Oh, there you go. I sort of remember being in my mum and dad's kitchen and having drawn a very rough map of Bunker Hill and I had some old wooden counters that I'd repainted and I created an old an old game of Bunker Hill. So I just thought that would be a really good game to do. You know, one side sits there, the other side attacks, there's ships involved and, you know, there's a nice map and, you know, lots of towns and burning towns and all the rest of it. Um, and I thought, I, I'm i going to I'm going to do that. Um, and that's really where I thought, well, If I was to write down the process that I used for the Little Bighorn game and just put in a series of steps, uh, a series of checks and pluses, uh, templates and approaches that make a game uh, accessible and simple and, above all, playable, then maybe if i wrote the building rules for gaming battles whilst i was writing the bunker hill rules then that would be a really good test of a design process that people could use to create battles um i'm not i'm not one for massive complication you know i know that some people are very stuck on scales and ranges and you know Simulations, whereas I think wargaming is about painting figures, putting on a game, and having fun. Um, so that that was the that was the whole thing behind building rules for gaming battles. So I started basically writing. I think it was back in November. I said, I think I said you. I wanted something out by Christmas.
0: Yes. <laughs> And, I didn't um, hold you to it, Peter.
1: Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> but I thought I'm not going to let Sean down.
0: Good. <laughs> I'm glad I was at the forefront of your mind in That's this it. decision. I'm
1: not going to let. I've, once I've said something, I'll try and keep to it. Yeah. Um, so I started the process of, 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 I suppose, writing a set of rules. But the rules are about writing rules for games. So. Um, I think we call them guidelines more than, than rules because they are very flexible. You can you can use them for what you want. And uh, the bunk Hill game has, has proved to be really good. We managed to get in a couple of play tests before the pandemic started. Um, we were busily putting the, the rules for gaming battles, which has seven steps to it. So... You know, that's about doing the work, doing the research, choosing a scale, building your orders of battle, making sure that you've hit the right level that you want. So, you know, whether you want it to be a a demo game or whether you want it to be a club game or whether you want it to be a more complex set of rules. So, you know, those advices are all in there. And really just about Testing out your processes for melee and morale and shooting and you know fighting, and what happens after that. So whether there's um, a command check, or whether there's a way of finishing a battle really quickly, or you know if there's any special rules involved, because the whole process of this is about the individual battle. It's not about writing a set of rules that will cover you from. 1939 to 1945, or, you know, the whole of the American War Independence, or the whole of the Plains War. It's about individual individual battles. And that's really where, where it's aimed at. So somebody can pick up the book, they can have a look at it, and they can say, right, this is my favourite time period, this is my favourite battle, I'm going to recreate that in a game. So what we're hoping for is people like yourself will take that and they'll want to build a game, they'll want to base it on a battle and they'll want to play that.
0: The um, you, We've had the discussion about how this has influenced me, um, but I think what's really interesting is, and you've, you've touched on this already, that because you've got the process in place from the Bighorn game, you've then got you've built the the framework of this book and you discuss how the Bunker Hill game is built throughout the book, don't you? As that example, to say, these are the guidelines or the template that you recommend to use. And this is how we've used it to move it on from the Big horn, the award-winning Bighorn game to a completely different type of conflict so whereas the battle of the little big horn was over four it was four tables wasn't it
1: yeah it was four tables it so it was a multi multi-table game like a mini campaign
0: and and quite free-flowing wasn't it
1: yes yeah
0: in the quite. in the, both sides are moving round and and, yeah. and fighting or what have you yeah and so again
1: a, there wasn't any there, there were no lines of battle yes it was very yeah. much a, a large skirmish game if you if, you, yes. if that's the right word yeah yes.
0: yes yeah because you you're you're playing on hex uh yeah. hexagons yeah um and each base represents a, a company or a unit yeah. or whatever um and has pretty much got freedom to move anywhere hasn't it other yeah. within the um the table. Yeah. to uh, and and converting that into what is actually quite a different style of game, isn't it? It's very much an, a set piece and it's an attack-defence game. So how how did you manage then? How did you manage that is the question. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to use far more words to, to, uh, to ask the question, but how, how did you uh, get manage to get that concept from what was a very free-flowing, uh, large skirmish game and think... Or come up with that idea that these same concepts that we've built to create this game will work for a set piece attack defense game. Yeah. I knew you'd come up with a really difficult question, <laughs> <laughs> and Thanks, I've, I've made it—I've
1: made it far more complicated than it needed to be. Yeah, I mean, the the basic premise of the Bunker Hill game is that it, it is a, a classic attack on a defense. And it's set at the battalion level or what passed as a battalion in those days. So each base is about 250 soldiers, whereas in uh, Little Bighorn, it was more uh, sort of 50, 60, yeah. 60 per, per, um, per base. base yeah. And And that's all done, really, the initial part of that is all done in the movement part of it. So you put restrictions on movement, you give benefits to people who are in line. The support is, is roughly the same, but it's very different. Um, there's battalion guns in there, so uh, some of the lighter guns can only fire at the same target as the battalion that it's attached to. Um, some of the larger guns are dealt with in the special rules, so they're, they're longer range pieces. Um, and you can also fire some of the heavier guns or some of the guns at a longer range if they're not attached to a battalion. So those are the those are the bits that are different. So it, it's it's really done in the movement and it's done in in the in the way you use your pluses and minuses to give units benefits or not. And also attacking fortifications. Now in the game, I we've decided we're going to put two ships in there. Um, and it took me ages to find them. And I found um, two ships that were basically from uh, an American guy's website where they were, you print them out in card and then you cut out balsa wood and then you attach skewers and little toothpicks and threads and God knows what else. So we've built those, but they're dealt with in the special rules where they can attack the fortification and start to reduce it. So. If you start to put all those together, you can get a big set-piece battle just by little changes to the movement, structured changes within the pluses and minuses of how you use these units, and the special rules to to detail the special things that happen in each battle.
0: Yeah. And I think for me, and I've, I've read this thoroughly over the last week or so, for me, that is, and don't blush at this, uh, Peter, but I think this is a little—that's a little bit of the genius of this—in that you've got those seven steps that you you described, um, but at any point along those seven steps, there's room for that bit of creativity to come up with something that's a little bit different, a little bit of a twist, and um, recreates and or you you can build to recreate an iconic piece. Of that particular battle, because you're not you're not looking at the whole war, or you're not looking at the 18th century as a whole. We're looking at one particular battle that's got a particular set of circumstances. And I remember you talking about worrying whether you'd be able to track down any ships when we last spoke. <laughs> that's right, <laughs> and, yeah. and it, it sounds like you've been quite successful in that. But yeah. to be able be able to inc- include uh, offshore naval and a naval component where um, it's not game-wrecking, but the fact yeah. that uh, they will erode the defences on the hill. Yeah, And I can never remember, and I've read this a couple of times now, whether it's Bunker Hill or Breed's Hill, which is the actual hill they're on. But <laughs> is it Breed's Hill they're actually yeah. on? Yeah. But we don't know why it's called Bunker Hill. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's definitely. the one, isn't yeah. Um, it? Yeah. But the, the ships there re- erode the uh, earthworks, don't they? Um, so it isn't about blasting away uh, the uh, American troops on on the within the earthworks. It's about having that integral part of the game. To so they they've got a purpose. They're not just there for show. No, and you know it's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Think I'm, I'm going to fire the guns from the ship <laughs> in the in the harbour. Yeah. Um, and if you're um, anything we-
1: like me, you'll roll low, and it won't help.
0: Of course.
1: <laughs> of course. It'll be like Pers roll a one. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah,
0: the chances of me rolling a one on a D6 are definitely not one in six. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Closer to 50-50, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, for, yeah, for me, that's the genius that um, at any point during that, as we work around this model of, of designing a game, then there's the freedom and for the reader and the the gamer to slot in that 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 uh, mm. that specific little bit which yeah. captures the the whole if you like yeah,
1: and I think there's one in this one little rule in the Battle of Bunker Hill about the American militia actually testing their metal, yes, because there was a lot of cases of them running away, but there was a lot of cases of them actually coming back.
0: Yes. So yeah. that's true. You know, yeah. it was
1: almost like they were in two minds. We're going to yeah. get out of here, but we can't let them down. And so, yeah. you know that that was a, a big feature of the battle. Um, those units, and if they if they didn't come back, it would have been very different. And yeah, you know, and rather than having loads of rules about low ammunition and all that sort of thing, we decided to use that as a as a measure of the man.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, that's, that's again, that is that little bit of a mechanism that's squeezed in there that just captures that, that feeling because anybody who has read anything about the American War of Independence knows that the militia could be um, a little bit jumpy and they might fall back, but they, they'd stop and then come back again and you'd get this effect where, um, you know, they're, they're perhaps a little bit more resistant than you might first think. So... Yeah. As we go through the uh, the process, then this seven step process, uh, Peter, you, you start off by saying work the guidelines. and that's that's really encompassing the whole, isn't it? To look at the the whole of what you're trying to capture, and then setting the scene as talking about um, what is the battle that you're looking to recreate? Why do you want to recreate that? Um, and, and Bunker Hill, it, it, it's just one of those battles, I think, that is iconic throughout history, isn't it? Yeah, and um, and I think. Um, just,
1: and you, you you reminded me, I think that when you sit down to write a set of rules, you can get really bogged down by jumping into the minutiae of the, the fighting. Yes. In my mind, I think if you sit down and write a little bit of an introduction, why you're doing it, where it is, what the troops are, and just like you say, set the scene, that really does give you a lot of information that you can use later on in the design process and you don't fall at the first hurdle by saying that's too difficult because none of that setting the scene is is difficult at all because you're keen and you know about it it's probably something you've read about already and it really does set you up to write those rules that's that's what I found
0: and I'm finding that myself because um, I may have given the game away when I, I called it uh, <laughs> yeah. my top secret operation Rourke's Drift, or Dork's Rift I think I called it, <laughs> just to keep it top secret. Yeah. Um, but we, we've we discussed online, haven't we, about how this has inspired me to to mm. use this system yeah. uh, for, for Rourke's Drift, which, again, is one of the most iconic battles, isn't yeah. it, that the British Army were involved yeah. in. Um, and as well as in that initial sort of scene setting that you talk about in the book, there's a a section which I love, uh, called the battle briefing. Yeah. Which is about, um, getting the information across. I think you say, in fact, I can read it here to help in getting the information across the audience. Uh, it's, it's selling the battle to the, the audience that whether that's your club mates or whether it's a people at a participation game, um, so and we aren't talking about a thesis here or rewriting an Osprey book. Uh, we're talking about two or three paragraphs perhaps about who fought the battle, why was it fought the strategy, the run-up to battle, etc. Um And you, you're, you're perfectly correct. It, for me as somebody who's read this with fresh eyes, and I appreciate you've probably read this <laughs> countless <laughs> times. times so you, yeah. yeah, you're fed up to the back teeth of it. <laughs> Um, but as somebody coming in fresh to it, I think that's that's great because, um, we're looking to recreate a single battle here. Um, okay, you, you could use the rules that you've written to re- refight any any battle you want. Um, but if, if we're using the uh, the system that you created, um, in its entirety to recreate that battle, then having that understanding of why the battle was fought, what the plans were, who was involved, then you're setting your stall out, aren't you, as to what the rules are going to cover.
1: Yeah. Well, that that battle briefing was originally Dave's idea for the demo game um, of Little Bighorn. So that was yeah. quite big. But it's interesting, when I was writing the Cropperty Bridge set, 16, 16, 1644, um, I didn't know that... <laughs> The parliamentarian commander and all these generals fell through the floor of a an inn <laughs> the night before. Okay, they all ended up in the basement.
0: Really? Yeah, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, I know. I can imagine why they were a bit off colour on the day.
0: Yes, not yeah. thinking straight. And have they been quaffing the ale? Had they?
1: Well, it, it's really weird because that's that sort of thing affects the battle the following day, doesn't it? Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. I didn't know about that. Is brilliant.
0: No, no, no. But it, it's those little bits, isn't it, that you can put into this briefing, which creates that bit of interest, isn't it, and and perhaps uh, stirs the imagination uh, to think about it. So from that bit, we then go on to, I think we go on to the terrain and, and looking at how your board is going to look. Now, um the Bighorn game and the... um bunker hill game you've based on hexons yeah uh sorry he- hexagons Hexages. which are hexagons hexons from, created from, by Killistra. that's right yeah yes yeah and there's a very good reason for that isn't there
1: yeah i mean we basically we didn't want the rules to be so overwhelming that people needed to keep referring to them so we thought if we keep the movement to one or two hexes people will remember that um and it it's amazing how much not measuring cuts down on time and that that is really what we found that the time saved by using hexes is 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 just fantastic. And there's no arguments over distance.
0: And in a participation game in particular, where you're looking to aim for that 45 minute slot, yeah. then I guess you're 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 winning back 10 15 minutes yes, easily, easily. Yeah, where people aren't messing about or worrying about whether they've moved 10 centimeters yeah. or nine centimeters. Yeah. And of course it not, it's not only movement, it helps with ranges, doesn't yes. it? Of, helps
1: uh... you, it helps with so much. I mean the, 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 the key the core part of the game for me is the initiative and everybody everybody having a turn in the everybody having an initiative in the turn. So you're all involved all the time. So you're not sitting down for twenty minutes waiting for a cup of tea or having a chocolate, waiting for somebody else to measure their ranges and do their stuff. You're, you're just involved and and I think that interaction makes it fun
0: yeah so j- just talk about that bit then because that's moving into the the start of the actual uh rules the concept of the rules that you you um advise um and it, it's common isn't it throughout each set that you've done now I think you're on f- yeah is, have you done four now done
1: four now and'm working on a fifth
0: yeah, so we'll talk about the others uh, perhaps a little bit later on. But yeah. just talk about that concept then of initiative because you've got leaders on the table, haven't you? Yeah. That each so rolls initiative at the start of the turn. That's
1: right. Each each set of units has a commander or a leader, and each leader will have a, a, a bonus or a benefit, which either in depending on which set of rules will or will not be involved in initiative, um, and it's just a straight die roll for every commander on the table and that denotes a an order to the initiative yeah so within a turn every single commander on the table will have an initiative turn and in that turn they will have a movement they'll have a shooting or firing and they will have a melee depending on whether they whether they survive the firing and are in a position to to have melee. And after that, they will apply all of the results of that that game turn to their various targets or themselves. And then the game moves on to the next commander's initiative. So there's so everybody will be either rolling dice or having to react to moves in in that initiative so you you can't really sit off and not pay attention you have to be involved really and that was the thing about the participation game that i think was the best thing for us people didn't play the game where they weren't doing anything they were always involved in the game and that worked really well and lots of people were were really pleased that they weren't standing around waiting for somebody else to do something
0: and i think and that comes into the um the method of shooting and combat that you've come up with mm. in that it's an opposed role. So yeah. the opponent is always involved, aren't they, throughout that that sequence. So as you say, they're not getting bored, or particularly if you've got five or six people around at yeah. a participation game table. Yeah. If one player is, is spending 10 minutes on their turn and the other five players have got nothing to do and no interaction or no agency in what's going on, then you've got, I suspect you're going to lose their interest. Yeah. and Whereas, we, sorry. Sorry,
1: and they're having to watch what's happening because it may be yeah. that they get an opportunity based on somebody else's initiative results.
0: Yes, yeah. And I think one of the other points that you stress is that because you're really zooming into one aspect of a particular conflict, so you're looking at one battle, you can rate the commanders on how they performed on the day
1: yes absolutely so you
0: yeah. you you stonewall jackson yeah. might have been the best general the confederates had but would have had an off day at some point
1: yeah i think it was in the peninsula campaign he wasn't very good
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, at but, but
1: he was brilliant so. yes yeah yeah, yeah.
0: well it wasn't so good on day two i don't think no
1: <laughs> no, he's obviously shot his bolt, then. Yes. <laughs> he's on the rest now. Uh,
0: but you you build that into the design of the game yeah. you're allowed to reflect how well that real life commander performed on the day. Yeah, and again, this this is down to the gamer's own agency, isn't it? That they can interpret how that commander did, and it, it, you know, if they're if they're a Cornwallis fanboy, then they can give whatever plus they want to, well, exactly, to that general, yeah. can't they? Yeah. Um, but if the, if they're looking to reinterpret this battle to their own uh, idea of how that went, then they will uh, adjust the leader's bonuses which affect the initiative, and a couple of other bits and pieces um, specific to that battle and that day in, in particular. Which, which I think creates that... Um, As we've just said, Jackson wasn't always the best general, was he? He would have have had that off
1: day. But also, it gives you the ability to actually reflect the day of battle. You know, we all know about Napoleon. He was brilliant. But at certain times, he wasn't. And, you know, in some games, that's that's not reflected. Well, it can't be because it covers such a span of time. Whereas if we're looking at gaming individual battles, then... You know, you can actually hone into what happened on that day and reflect that through these guidelines. And and that's the thing we were that's the thing we were trying to do. You know, you can you can build these games and you can reuse these troops, but you just have to do a different battle. You know, change some of the parameters, make sure that you're getting the flavour of the day.
0: So that initiative sequence and the commanders are really the core, aren't they, mm. yeah. of building this game. Um, and when we're, when we're talking about this initiative sequence and the, the turn sequence, again, it's not completely prescriptive, is it? You say that in the rules, I think. Mm. I think you say for your, the first time you run through it, follow the guidelines Yeah, as we've set them down. Um, and, and see what you come up with but absolutely whoever ends up buying this book from you and no doubt thousands of gamers out there across we the world will be crossed. buying yeah well no doubt having heard this interview i'm sure they will <laughs> thank you <laughs> well i i really hope so and i mean that generally um but it's it's in the gamers hands isn't it as to how yeah. they interpret and Use this as a framework. You aren't being prescriptive, are you, as to no. each set sequence of events? No.
1: I mean, I, I don't. You've been in the in the wargaming just as long as I have, and you know that every set of rules you buy, there's something in there that doesn't quite chime, and you end up trying to add house rules and redesign and redo this and redo that. And I always think that you know it would be good if you could just do what you wanted. You know, yes. And if, if you had a set of rules that said, or a set of guidelines that said, "Look, you know, you can't break this. You just need to add to it and change it, and and put in special rules that counter some things, or you know, give benefit to others," then you can do that. You know, you can add in in the sequence, in the turn sequence, you can add. You know, I think I've done that where I've added a morale step. You know, and I've added a command step as well for the whole force, because you know. In some games, after a few rounds, people lose cohesion, panic sets in, you know, you might need a morale check for a a particular army that that they need to pass every time they play because they've lost a lot of their best troops. And you can do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's in the in the wargamer's gift, isn't it? The person yes. who buys this book, it's in yeah. their gift to do yeah. that. And uh, that, I was touching on that earlier about this creativity that the mm. gamer can put into it. Yeah. So if they've got a you know really fantastic idea about something that could slip into this template that you've given, yeah, then it, th- there's room absolutely there for them yeah. to do that. Um, just going through uh, the. The book in sequence. What I, I really like as well. And there's lots that I like within it. Is um, the the shooting and the melee systems yeah. are very similar. So yeah. very. So what that means is that people, as soon as you've learned one, then you know the other. Exactly. Yeah. Which speeds things up. But yeah. what I really exactly. like is the bit where you explain the uh, the fire opposed dice roll, where you explain the modifiers for long-range, short-range sporting bases yeah. and say why that's in there. And what that, for me, as a, somebody who's read this fresh, is it's, it gets inside your mind as to why you've done this, why yeah. you've given this bonus or this negative. So that, that puts uh, the reader in, inside your head as to what your ideas are. yeah, And then if the reader has got perhaps a little different, a bit of a different perspective on that, then they can perhaps flip it round or or change it a little bit.
1: Well, exactly. I mean, you know, we we all have our different ways of doing stuff, but at the end of the day, you know, we're trying to give you the tools to replicate what you want to replicate. And if you take that table and you say, "Well, I I don't agree with that, so I want to change it," you can then use that template to write down why you've changed it. So so if people ask you about it on the day or at your club, you can say, "This is why I did that." You know, and I and I did the same with the melee as well because my, you know my, I thought that shooting a melee are the same things; they just happen at different times, and they happen in a different way. So if you survive, if you you know if you survive the shooting rounds, then you know you can go into melee. And I think at the in the battle of the Little Bighorn, you actually get the cho- choice of staying or running because it's a skirmish game, you know, and people can run away from a from a fight.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and that reflects the fact that, as you say, that's a skirmish game where you've yeah. got a lot of people on horse and charging yeah. around, whereas at Bunker Hill, it is a set-piece battle. It's formed lines of That's right, and you've got people Italians. forcing you up the hill. <laughs> yes, with a, a big pointy stick at your back. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then inside the combat mechanisms that you've come up with, uh, there's the special results table as well. Yeah, which adds a little bit more interest, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, in any of this, you have to have a result, and we to to, to speed things up because we had a the melee and the shooting were separate, and they had both had their separate results tables. And during playtesting, it was causing a bit of confusion. And so I said, well, there's probably a way we can write this so that they both use the same table. And so that's what we did. And it worked really well because it's one of those things that people learn and they remember. And, you know, by the end of them playing their 45 minutes, they were remembering what the results were uh, for both sets of outcomes. And it was really good because the outcomes were the same, they knew exactly where to move their troops and what they had to do.
0: And again, that adds into that speed aspect, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. and It's important, I think, that people don't lose sight of the fact that that's what this game is aiming for. And as you've said, it could be a club game, or but it works really well as a participation game. Yeah. And for a participation game to work, you've got to have that that speed. I think 45 yeah. minutes is about the maximum that most people at a show in England yeah. are willing to sit down and play a game. Yeah. I know in the States, it's entirely different. And well, I've talked about that with um, the little wars TV guys, Greg, Yeah, um, that people will travel halfway the, across a the continent and sit down for four hours and play a game in its entirety. But in this country mm. to get people, and I'm sure you've experienced this. Yeah. Um, get people to sit down and buy into spending 45 minutes at a gaming table um can can be challenging it can be challenging
1: because they they want to do other stuff they want to have a look around
0: yeah you know and
1: and that's perfectly natural they spent a lot of time and effort to get there Um, yes you know so if you wanted to sit at your table for a little while you've got to put on something that's a bit different you know
0: yeah yeah and and that 45 minute time window i think is perfect that you know, if if for nothing else than to rest your weary legs, <laughs> <Yeah. But laughs> and we and, all, but,
1: and but keep I'll, the wallet in the pocket, exactly, yeah. But but <laughs> alternatively, you know, a club night, you know, and I I've experienced this all over the place. You get to club, it's half past seven. Time you set up, it's sort of quarter past eight, and then you're getting your cup of tea and you're having a chat and and all the rest of it, and you don't have loads of time,
0: no. Nope. No, a couple of couple of hours, two and a yeah, half hours. A couple of time. hours.
1: So, you know, you could have a couple of games of this, or you could write your rules to suit suit a club night.
0: If if it's anything like my club night, Peter, it's uh, we'd play the game once and then just sit talking.
1: <laughs> <And> talking about <laughs> what we wanted to off. change.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember those days. Yeah. God, yeah.
0: Um so once we once we get through that, uh, the the ideas that you've you've put in there for uh, combat and uh, melee, uh, we we go into sort of talking about um, rounding the rules out, I guess, where we're looking at order, the order of battle, yeah. um, and and presentation mm. of of the rules. And again, you've provided sort of a template, haven't you, uh, to be able to. And uh, I suspect this is more aimed at the people who want to put on uh, participation games at shows to make it attractive. Because if you've just photocopied a couple of sides of A4 and it's just blank text, well, it's okay. But how many people are going to be attracted to that? Whereas I I well remember the first time I saw your little Bighorn game and the presentation of it is eye-catching and draws people in. It's a bit like monster of flame, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, we had the battle briefing done in a, in a separate booklet. We had the rules in a separate booklet. We did the cards, um, for all of the commanders and all of the, uh, the American Indian, uh, commanders. And we had lots of, you know, um, I think we had cards for when your leaders got wounded or killed. Um, you know, and it, it it looked really good. We spent a lot of time thinking. You know, even if people didn't want to play, they could still take stuff away with them, and I think that worked really well. And, and so and how, I think doing that to a to a standard for us yeah. has really worked.
0: And how many times did somebody ask you how much the rules were?
1: About five or six times <laughs> uh, when we were at salute. Is said, well, now you can yeah. have them? How much do these cost? Oh, they're, they're free. You can take them away with you. Was,
0: people just didn't believe you. No. Well, it's free. Yes. Yeah, You're mad. mad. It's got to be a cash. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think for if, if somebody buys this book with a, a view to putting on a, um, a participation game, I think the template and the ideas that you've put within this section towards the back, is great because you, you, you give that advice, don't you? Know, yeah. And say, how are you going to make this thing?
1: Yeah, and I, and I think it comes to that sort of thing. We had banners. We've we got a couple of banners done because I, I got to a point where I thought and, and I wanted people to see us before they actually came up to the table. Yeah. Because sometimes you, you look at the table and you think, oh, I don't know what this is for. <laughs> I don't know what this is about. Yes, And, you know, having a banner that says it's, yeah, it's the Battle of the Little Bighorn, it kind of just sends a message. And yeah. I think that, you know, I think those banners cost us about 70 quid, I think, which right. is quite a lot. But getting yeah. years worth of use out of it, it's quite good.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, again, you know, you put into it as much as you want to, don't you? Yeah. You haven't got to go and spend money yeah. on a banner, yeah. but it certainly helps, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, one... Uh, towards the end of the book and I suspect this is probably one of the most important bits for yourself as a rules writer, you talk about playtesting and how important playtesting is uh, to getting the feel of the game, the pace of the game and the the, the little bits of the rules right. So just talk us through the, the playtesting aspect.
1: Um, well, I was luckily enough, I've got this amateur group of people who know nothing about war games, who know a lot now, who come around and help paint figures and they help play test rules and they set up the game and they they ask really weird questions. <laughs> you know, and and it, it's absolutely true. Sometimes you go, what? I don't know why I wrote that. Yeah. That doesn't work. I'm going to have to... I, I, I literally filled up two sides of A4 the first time we we wrote the Battle of the Little Bighorn and started putting in little little, little changes that just should change the emphasis of certain rules and certain bits and pieces of the rules. It's really important to get that done, um, certainly with your first set, I would say, just so that you can get it in your head that you're writing for other people because we all all wargamers, we tend to write for ourselves. And even... Your feedback showed that you write for yourself because you just assume that other people have read it or they've done it or they've got experience. So it's really important to play that game a number of times so that you can just test out. It, it, it's true in IT, isn't it? You know, give it to a user, they'll break it straight away. You know, and, and that's that's the key to it is give it to a war gamer and they'll break it straight away. So play testing is really important, you know, and I did so much testing on my own sometimes it's just not enough you know you just get a couple of people out there to test it with you and and you'll just it will just make it flow such so much better
0: well, you've actually written a bit of a flowchart, haven't you, about the playtesting process? Yeah. I love I love the pictures uh, <laughs> that you've got in there with the the joy on the faces. That there's two ladies and yeah. on one of the pictures <laughs> look yeah. like they, well, well, one of them's certainly very happy, and I'm not sure about the uh, the look on the face of the other lady, but I think <laughs>
1: one of those is my wife. <laughs>
0: oh, <okay. laughs>
1: she's probably a very happy one.
0: <laughs> right, I think she just rolled a six by the looks yeah, of it. Yeah. <laughs> but um you've got quite a thorough playtesting process there haven't you yeah. about um play the rules by yourself make yeah. your notes and then eventually you open it up to the testers yeah um and then get the feedback and then start again but i think for me and i I've, I've never written a set of rules i've i've helped to playtest rules previously but i've never written a set of rules but I imagine one of the most nervous points is where you let it out of your hands that's it. and give it to somebody else to have a yeah, look at.
1: definitely. And, and I think it, you know, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm a big believer in playtesting, but don't overdo it because you can overprocess stuff. So I think, from my point of view, you go through it a few times and then you go, right, that's it, we're ready.
0: Yeah. Uh, because I suspect you could just go on tweaking and tweaking. Well, forever. Forever, forever, and and you've written you've written proper rules. Not that these aren't proper rules, but mm. uh, you know I mean you've written you've published had rule sets published previously, haven't you? For yeah, you know, big thick um, rule sets.
1: Yeah, for American Civil War, the Pelhamos set, and the Franco-Prussian War. Um And I've got some other sets that are in the background at the moment, but still being worked on for the Wars of the Roses and the Colonial Wars. So yeah. Lots of experience of doing that, and you know, just making, sh- um, and making sure you're prepared for the forum, is a really big thing. I <laughs> found, especially with the American Civil War set, because um, they had a, a, a really, a, a good what I thought was a good flow, but some people just couldn't get their heads around it because they wanted to control everything, and. So, if you were a, a, a war gamer that was used to having everything under your control and doing everything you wanted to do when you were doing it, then it it probably it took a lot of explaining.
0: Right. So when you when you talk about that, you're talking about that scrutiny that yeah. um, the subject yeah. subject matter experts yeah. uh, talk about when they, as soon as they get it into their hands, yeah. um, and they're putting their own spin on it and and. Wargamers are champion complainers. Yeah. We are, well, we're champion complainers and moaners, aren't yeah, we? Yeah,
1: there was one guy at um, Salute who actually came up and said to Dave, he said, it looks really good, but the grass is the wrong colour. <laughs> and Dave said, the grass is green. And he went, yeah, not in July. Uh, not in July at that place.
0: <laughs> you oh, think,
1: okay. oh okay. dear. <laughs> There's only so much we can do.
0: There is, there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can please some of the people some of the time yeah not I all know, of everything. the people any of the time Really, hey, there you go. <laughs> not in war game in your car no,
1: no exactly exactly <laughs> but it, it was it was a good piece of feedback
0: yeah and then i think step seven uh when we get to the 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 back of the book we get a, a rather nice picture of yourself there peter holding Thank you very much an award <laughs> a trophy um, a trophy, um, and I think you said it earlier on. And I meant to pull you up on it, actually, Peter. You said we won um, the best participation game at the show, yeah. as though it might just be a little show that's down the road uh, in, in Village Hall. We, we are talking about the single biggest show in the country. Yes, yeah. so, yeah, it was Salute. Uh, that, that that's the that's the bit that needs highlighting yeah. because um, it, I think and, it's
1: the only six millimeter war game that's ever won anything. Yeah as yeah. a participation game at absolute so we were we were proud anyway but we were particularly proud of that and i i yeah. think we saw off a lot of a lot of newcomers as well a lot of other participation games
0: well um, there was strong competition yes. most definitely. yeah I was running a participation game that day, Peter. Oh, well, and I'm so sorry.
1: Me- <laughs> 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 Should I take my foot back out of that?
0: <laughs> sorry. No, mate, no. I was uh, I was demoing for for uh, Mantic Games actually, ah, so right. it was an entirely different venture, <laughs> completely. Yeah. But uh, do you know, um, when I heard about that, and I know we talked about it when we last spoke on the podcast, and. I've shouted it from the hilltops ever since i'm i'm I can't tell you how chuffed I was that you'd won it um not not just because it was a six mil game but because of the effort because i've i've followed i've followed the um the uh progress on twitter i think you put up quite a few posts on yeah, Twitter.
1: yeah put up a few blogs yeah on quite a few blog. blogs on the process of how we built it got it all put together and yeah. From just the metal figures through the basing, through the yeah, it's the whole thing—it was really good.
0: Well, and again, we've spoken about this before, and you have mentioned it just about this amateurish group that you've got, and I, I still marvel at the fact that you've <laughs> roped in these non-war gamers—not yeah. not only to get them to play the game with you, but to mm. paint the figures yeah. and prepare the whole thing. I think that's yeah, just
1: build thing. some of the terrain and paint buildings, and God knows they're they're brilliant. I love them every Monday well, night. <laughs> obviously not recently but we're looking to no. get it back together
0: yeah i hope so i hope so that, yeah. you know that, that part of that is why i was so chuffed about it because it's just such a unique take and um i will forever take off my hat to you um peter for that so um essentially that that's that's the book isn't it that's yeah. the, that's what the concept you're selling and yeah. i'll go back to the earlier comment that i've never heard of this before I I don't think it's ever been done before where somebody has put together um, some ideas and concepts and templates to sell to somebody to be able to create their own game and as I've mentioned a couple of times already this has inspired me somebody who's never written a set of rules before um, or thought about building a participation game uh, to do so for Rourke's drift. So, um, first of all, do you think Rourke's drift is a good subject?
1: I, I think it's excellent. I mean, some of the email stuff we've we've sent around. I think you've taken a very different. You've used the guidelines in a very different approach, which I think is fantastic. Right, you know, with the you know the massive forces of the Zulus and the small force of the the British. Yeah, and using character-driven commanders is is just really good. I'm re, I, I hate to say it. If if we've inspired you, then the job's done. Okay, and <laughs> you know, and and I think some of your some of the early ideas I've seen of your game are yeah. really really good.
0: Well, I, I'll I will continue to share with you, and I'll share with listeners, obviously as. Yeah as time goes on, perhaps after the book's published. I don't yeah. want to uh, <laughs> give away give too to many away, secrets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think one of the different... When I first heard of this concept, Rourke's Drift was immediately the battle that came to mind. Yeah. It's a, it's a... I don't know any war gamer has never seen Zulu. Yeah. Uh, okay, it plays... Um, it plays a bit loose with history, but we... Most war game. I don't know one war gamer that doesn't like the film Zulu. Yeah. Never mind anybody that hasn't seen it. But yeah. um, so therefore, it's always been a, a battle that I've always wanted to try and recreate. But it's that asymmetrical side of it yeah. that I think is the challenge, isn't it? And yeah. you have essentially got a static defence, okay, a, um, a very small static defence mm. against a very overwhelming number of aggressors. But it's yeah. it's that bit about trying to. How how do you work the concepts that you've built into this game into yeah. a into a battle where you've got 150 against 4, yeah. th- around about 4,000 troops? But yeah. um, I'll I've certainly. Right, have... I'm,
1: I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm already thinking of a couple of special rules around the you know volley.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> please share them with me. But, <laughs> I've, so, I've thought yeah. about volley as a as a, as a yeah. concept but, uh, and you know, where do you start the battle? So, yeah. um, do I start it uh, with uh, the Zulus in range or at, at very long range, or do do I have the Zulus moving into range and then uh, oh. the British getting a couple of volleys off, or yeah. you know the the and I'm sure you've been through the, this whole process and anybody Absolutely. that buys the, anybody that buys this book will go through this same thought process, yeah. um, because I think those initial ideas are the that's where all the thinking happens before you actually put pen to paper, aren't you? Yeah. And I think we talked about it off air where yeah. um I've made copious notes, but I've not actually committed anything onto the in, into a document yet. Yeah. Um but you do that that big concept thinking about what is it you want to um it, represent.
1: It, yeah, and and that that provides you wrapping. Once you've got your wrapping, you can then design your rules into that. Yeah. You know, and that that's the thing. What's you know, what's the outcome? You know, and, and also you have to sort of think, you know, do I make it is do I does one person play the British and the rest play the Zulus? It all comes down to that that balance, isn't it? You know, do yeah. I have a you know, like we said before, you know, do you have two commanders or three commanders for the British? Yes. You know, colours aren't born, you know, the big effect on the battle, maybe give him a command.
0: Yeah, and that wasn't so. And we've we've spoke about this over email, but mm. it was my initial concept was that you'd have one British player as Chard, one British player as Bromhead, and then hopefully two or three people as the Zulu. Um, but when you said why not have a couple of sergeants as well uh, to assist with that overall command um, around the um, the mission station and you know that's that's something that's now in my thinking about perhaps perhaps having them as a lesser effective commander but all all the same having some impact on the game so um the yeah the it's very early stages but I'm very excited because I've I've ordered the figures um I'm probably going to have a little play around with, just with a few counters and and what have you to push around just to Get the concept because I'm probably I'm probably not going to go the hexagon route, um, which goes against a little bit about that speed element. But initially, this is going to be a game for the club um, where we'll have that extra time. But also, you've
1: think, got a nicely tight, tightly defined space, haven't you? Yes. So yeah, you know, maybe the hexes are not needed.
0: Possibly, but I think. Although I won't be using hexes, I'll be using measuring sticks. So hopefully there'll be no tape measures involved. So um, so for long range fire, I think within the rules, we talk about two hexes. Um, so I'll just have a measuring stick that's 20 centimeters, which is roughly the length of two hexes. And then short range will be one hex, uh, 10 centimeters, just to try and keep that. Easy, way, you can just pick up a stick, put it down on the table, and still have. And because it's, it'll be rather similar to the little bighorn in that it'll be almost a skirmish, a large skirmish action. So there's no need for formation changes or wheeling or anything. So hopefully, the the movement will be relatively easy, uh, the firing will be easy, uh, and the fighting will be easy. But yeah. I'm making it sound really easy. But I don't know. <laughs>
1: I'm really looking forward to it now.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Peter, you'll, you'll certainly be the first to see any uh, <laughs> any version of it that uh, I send out. And yeah. um, just to, speaking about that, actually, you talk about publishing uh, any rules that people come up with.
1: Yeah, or yeah, yeah. We're more than happy to help. Um, I think that's the thing. You know, we're more than happy to to help people get realise their vision. If you like, um, I think it's important that you know. I think every war gamer should publish a set of rules during their time. Um, And hopefully, this will help to assist. Um, I always wanted to build a tank game. And then, you know, Two Fat Lord Lardies brought out their excellent tank game. So I had to build mine around platoons of tanks rather than individual tanks. So fire and move armor um, is already done. So that will be available. which is again a, a big change and a g- big shift that really stretched the guidelines um, in the game, uh, in the building rules for gaming battles. But then I'd gone back to doing Cropperty Bridge, um, which again is going back to that multiple board sort of mini campaign for the English Civil War, which was again a, quite a challenge, really. But I really enjoyed writing them, so hopefully people will like those as well. So. My idea is to get a battle that I like from a lot of periods to show people how those guidelines can be used in different periods.
0: Yeah, and again, you've been very gracious to send me through um, copies of those. And the Crop Ready Bridge one, uh, the English Civil War, is another favorite period of mine. And that is just, for me, a wonderful um, concept that you've gone for this mini campaign again, similar to the Little Bighorn, you have yeah. multiple tables where each table can have an influence on the next one along. Yeah. Um, and if ever you get that out to a um, public showing, Peter, I'm, I'd, I'd love to have a go at that. Uh, yeah, so, that,
1: that's the one that's gonna f- that we're going to do that following Bunker Hill. So hopefully if we can get Bunker Hill out on the table this year, yeah. then Cropperty Bridge will be the following year
0: so will that be the plan for joy of six when it takes place next year now
1: yeah next year is bunker hill um hopefully we'll get that on the table for then um now that i've actually built the ships that's the main big point done just need to i don't know if,
0: have you put any pictures up of those peter i don't know if um, i put a
1: couple up but i'm not i might have put them up to our local little group but i'll, I'll put mm. some out just to yeah to show you those um so you can that's have a look great. at them but i've Literally tomorrow I'm getting the sailors to go on the ships.
0: Oh fantastic.
1: So I might I might hold fire for a couple of a couple of days just so I can yeah. paint up a few of those and stick them on.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And yeah,
1: so that'd be so- that, that interested in doing that, Bunk Hill at Joyce Six, and then the following year we'll do Croperty Bridge.
0: Brilliant. So are you looking at continuing using this system uh, for your own participation games going forward, then post-Ready Bridge? or Yeah,
1: yeah. We've, I've got one. My uncle fought in Burma during the war, and I found out quite a lot about him recently. He won the Military Medal for Bravery, um, fighting against the Japanese near Kohima. Um, not not at Kohima, but one of the forces that came down to relieve it. Um, and I got really into sort of, you know, small unit actions. So I'm going to do a fire and move infantry. So all based around platoons, and then I think at some point in the future, somebody will make me do fire and move armor and infantry.
2: <laughs>
0: it's the natural progression. <laughs> it's the
1: natural progression. So yeah, there's still lots to do. I'm, I'm really keen. And if if this all this all lifts off, then we're going to put a forum up on the site so we can answer questions and, yep. and manage people's inquiries. So we'll see. So big changes coming up.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So let's talk about timelines then, Peter. We've we spoke uh, for getting on for an hour, maybe just over an hour now about this fantastic book that I've got on my tablet in front of me. (laughs) uh, Building rules for gaming battles. What's the what's the timeline for listeners to get hold of it?
1: Okay, well that's all been they've all been all the rules are ready and waiting to be published, and the building rules for gaming battles is ready to be published as well. But we're just getting the website ready. For people to be able to purchase those, um, but to be honest, we're just uh, we're doing them in PDF, but we'll also do them as books, um, soft softback books, uh, so people can can have them as you know in their hands. Um, so once that website's up and we've got that ready, um, we're really hoping to get that pushed out for sort of early September. Um, so hopefully by early September we'll be a, uh, people will be able to purchase these if they want them, um, and shortly after that I think um, we'll be putting up the forum on the website or you know it won't be our forum it will be a forum um, that people could come on and ask questions of us if they want to, so so we'll be supporting them.
0: Fantastic. Well, it's the we're recording here on the twentieth of August. Hopefully this podcast will be out within the week i'm i'm thinking probably middle to end of next week uh so around about the 26th 27th something like that um so hopefully they'll have a listen to this and uh, and and be able to come over and have a look at it so we'll so shall I send them to the collectioncalculator.com website for yes. more information?
1: more information we we we're, we're constantly putting up blogs about progress on various projects in our news section um, so, yeah, um, they'll, they'll be seeing all of that, hopefully available quite soon then.
0: And you're also on Twitter, aren't you?
1: Yeah, we're on Twitter and Facebook. Um, mainly Twitter, I would say. Yeah. But Facebook, we, we tend to do as well.
0: And is that CC at CC something like that? Yes,
1: it's War, Wargame, uh, CC, and... Or the Facebook one, I can't remember. It's... Uh, <laughs> Collection I'll put it calculator, up I think.
2: Collection calculator <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I knew I'll, you'd have. I knew you'd have a question. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to answer.
0: <laughs> well, that's what I'm here for, mate. Yeah, to exactly. make your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll put links up in the uh, in the show no, notes Brilliant. for that anyway, with the email address, etc., and and details. But um is there anything we haven't covered regarding the the book, Peter? I'm I'm still incredibly excited. <laughs> no, I
1: think I think we've. I think we've um, we've covered that i i I think that's already say it's all ready to go. it's just sort of bar the shouting really, so I think we've got a, a couple of little changes that you've fed back to us to make and then then it's ready to go so
0: well I mean it literally was a couple of little things it was oh, nothing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah but it was still mean,
1: it was still, rele- still relevant
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, it's probably that just that fresh pair of eyes yeah yeah I know if you exactly. read a document a thousand times then yeah. uh, it's, you can send out anything into the world and uh, somebody reading it for the first time will pick up yeah. a, a list full stop or something. And
1: I suppose the one thing I could say is I really hope people are as keen as you are about them. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, that sort of feedback sort of makes it all worthwhile, Sean. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you for that.
0: No, no. I mean, it, it is absolutely genuine. This isn't a uh, this isn't a paid ad- advertisement. <laughs> it's, <No. laughs> it's absolutely from a fan-based uh um angle get my words out in a minute um i I just love the concept and having seen uh the little bighorn game and then read through this book along with the uh, crop ready bridge and bunk hill and i'm completely sold on it because it it just feeds into everything that i like about gaming and again we aren't talking about a a game here or designing a game that counts every rivet and every bullet. Um, that's, that's not what this is about. This is about, as you said, right at the start about getting some figures on the table and having a fun game in a period that you enjoy and recreating a battle that you love. Um, and this following the guidelines in this book absolutely allows you to do that. So, uh, absolutely hats off to you, Peter and the team, uh, for the work that you've done around it because um i shall be shouting it from the (laughs) rooftops as i've said a couple of times i will be uh uh, plugging this wherever i can
1: (laughs) well from the team and i thank you very much for that sean it's been great talking to you as well i mean it's it's nice to actually sit down and talk wargaming
0: for for over an hour (laughs) who 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 knew that two wargamers could just waste an hour yeah
1: who knew that we could just (laughs) chunter on
0: (laughs) exactly uh thanks to you uh peter for giving up your time again and uh you are now in a very select group of people who've appeared on the podcast twice cool. thank you very much I think there's only three people now who've uh, appeared twice yeah. um i don't know if you remember there's there's two rules though for every appearance and again i, I keep saying i will give my guests uh fair notice and fair warning about this <laughs> there's two rules what the first rule is a very simple one is that you agree to come back on again yes of course which i'm sure you will do yeah uh, and hopefully we'll catch up face to face at some point whether it's salute or at the joy of six but yeah. I'll, I'll look forward to that um the second though is the god's own scale virtual library now you did deposit a book there on your first visit I can't quite remember what it was, to be honest. Uh, that's, that's professionalism in podcasting for you. Um, but I, I do insist that every guest, whether or not it's the first visit or the 10th, uh, deposits a, a book on the shelves of the God's Own Scale virtual library. And it has to be uh, military history or wargaming related. It can't be the latest Jilly Cooper book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, as as good as that might, unless there's a wargaming element in there, I don't know. Jilly Cooper may have moved on. But uh, uh, have you got something for me, Peter? I'm ranting. I'm rambling on a little bit here, hoping that you might pull something (laughs) off. It's hard to think. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Uh, and I've got to say, it's got to be something other than building rules for gaming battles.
1: Yeah. Well, um. I'm into that. Uh, I, I tell you what, I've, I've gone back and reread The Good Shepherd, which right. the film Greyhound is based on, the oh, new okay. okay. Tom the Hanks Thompson. film. Yeah. And I must say, it is absolutely excellent.
0: Right, okay. So okay.
1: for, for so me, it's The Good there. Shepherd from the guy who wrote all the hornblower books, C.S.S. Forrester.
0: Oh, really? I didn't know
1: that. Yeah, he wrote a book about the Second World War, uh, and it's about a convoy just traveling from America to England. And it's a very compelling book, I must say.
0: Lots of gotcha. trigonometry. Oh, I'm <laughs> <laughs> But don't struggle. let that put you off. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> as long as you promise that, yeah. it won't blame my brain. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, that, w- that shall take pride of place uh, on the God's Own Scale virtual library shelf. Thank you for that, The Good Shepherd by C.S. Forrester. Peter, once again, I'm going to thank you uh, for your time. And that, that has been a fascinating chat. Uh, and I'm very excited, as I'm sure people listening to this podcast will be, to get their hands on that. So thanks very much for your time, Peter.
1: Thanks
2: very much, Sean. Mm-hmm.
0: Welcome back to the Godzone Skills studio. I hope you enjoyed that chat as much as I did. And please do check out the Bukon War Games Collection Calculator website. I'm sure Peter would appreciate it. It really is a great effort from him and the team. Apologies, it was slightly later than planned, but ber- birthdays and decorating at home have eaten into my hobby time so much so that I've got really little to report on my own hobby. Other than some canopy style woods inspired by the guys at Little Wars TV, I've used rubberized horsehair for mine and for the cost of a new tub of cocktail sticks, they've cost me so far the grand total of £1, which is good in anybody's money. Um, And I've been using materials I already had at home such as flocks and paint etc. Uh, I'll post some more pictures up as soon as possible to Twitter and to the blog. I did put up one or two uh, of the concept stage, but uh, the final versions, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I get some pictures up. I've really enjoyed doing them. Uh, they look quite good, actually. Um, in hobby news, I've got to say I was really pleased to see Sally and Paul from the wonderful Calistra Miniatures and hosts of the Hammerhead Show at Newark Showground announced that they were going to go full steam ahead in planning for the Hammerhead show next year on the 6th of March, 2021. I think this sends out a really positive message to the community and we can all hope that in the six months time, that things will have settled down to the point where we can once again return to shows in a physical form, as opposed to the virtual shows we've had to resort to this year. Hammerhead is a fantastic show real emphasis on participation games inclusion involvement so uh, right up my street to be honest and if the show goes ahead i shall certainly be there and who knows i may be able to do some roving reporting uh, from the show which obviously i'll uh, i'll put up onto the podcast uh, regarding the virtual shows quick shout out to mike Whitaker, former uh, co-host of meeples and miniatures and his own Podcast. Uh, I think it's called The Miller's Tale, which is a great podcast. And Mike, if you're listening, I really hope you get behind the mic soon and get some more content content out there. Really enjoy listening to you on there. Uh, but he's the chair of the club that runs the Hereford show in early September, which went online this year, uh, and it was a really great effort. I thought with some great videos, including an English Civil War Battle Report, Uh, there's a chat with Harry Sidebottom and Rich Clark about historical gaming and using uh, story in games. And also a panel discussing the question that's on everyone's lips, is historical gaming dying out? Ooh, there's a big one. Well for my money I don't think it is, for what it's worth. But I'm not sure I'm seeing the younger generation coming through into the historical hobby that we've had previously. I don't know, this might just be my perspective. It's anecdotal, I've got no evidence uh, to support that at all. It's it's just how I feel, certainly within my own club. There's very few people uh, below the age of 30 interested in historical gaming. Um, Generally they are into the fantasy and science fiction style games... Um, I just don't think there's that many youngsters coming through and whether they're enough to sustain the hobby going forward, I don't know. The hobby has never really been in such a strong position, I think, as it is now with every aspect of the hobby available to buy at your fingertips from the commercial point of view. The commercial side seems stronger than ever with more manufacturers putting out more and more figures in every scale uh, terrain, three D printing, uh, gaming mats, this, this sort of thing. Uh, but they will need the next generation of gamers to come along and buy their products uh, once the older grognard generation have uh, have passed on. Uh, so recruitment and retention are incredibly vital. Little Wars TV. I've just posted a video uh, with some ideas in this vein. So. As ever, do go and check them out. I'm sure most of the listeners to this podcast already do. And speaking of Little Wars TV, episode 17 is already recorded and 90% edited. And that's a chat with Greg and Steve from Little Wars about the future of their YouTube channel. As we record this, it's the 10th of September. So expect to see that episode dropping into your favourite podcast app within the next 7 to 10 days. Thanks once again to my Patreon supporters. I've now renamed you as the Patriots. Their support is humbling as they trust me to produce this podcast from my kitchen two, maybe three times a month. And they really do help to keep the lights on. If you wish to help to keep the lights on, please do consider joining my Patreon campaign if you enjoy what i'm doing i'll put a link up in the show notes uh, there'll also be a link up on the youtube channel uh, where this podcast is also available also available on spotify now as well uh, but uh the direct link is patreon.com forward slash god's own scale that'll take you straight to the campaign and, and show you what's going on there with uh, one or two uh blog posts from me and who knows a live stream or two in the future maybe a QA and a with uh, patrons, sorry Patriots um, but uh, it's in early stages but being developed and hopefully will be a useful resource. To anybody who joins up oh, uh, one more thing, sorry I nearly forgot then, uh, one more thing I wanted to give a shout out to a new company to me called Geek Villain Wargaming Specialists now I've got one or two things on offer if you go to their website which is geek villain.co.uk but what's caught my eye mostly and I've seen it's caught a lot of other people's eyes within the community is their new gaming mats they look amazing I haven't picked one up myself yet but I think Pear has bought one, uh, Pear Broden from roller1.com they're made of a fleecy material which really intrigues me because I was looking at making my own grass mat uh, or oh, sorry play mat using uh, some fleece that I sprayed and painted and shaped myself but this might do the trick and save me all the the trouble of the uh, experimentation and um, it, they look amazing um, for a 6x4 mat you're looking around about 60 pounds uh, they've got oh crikey uh, Lots of designs, let's say, on their website. So, do check them out. Um, really friendly on Twitter as well. They've got an active presence on Twitter. So, uh, if you're on Twitter as well, do uh, hit them up and give them a shout out. So, that's Geek Villain uh, and the, the website geekvillain.co.uk. Okay, that's all for now. Thanks for listening. Look out for loads more as we head into the autumnal season and the dark nights start to creep in. Yes, it's that time of year already. You'll need something to occupy you on those lonely nights whilst embarking on the winter painting campaign. I hope you make that God's Own Scale podcast. Until next time, as ever, keep talking about six.
2: The birthday went away to do his business of the other day. With the smile on his lips and his left pen and fips upon his shoulder, right and gay. As the train moved out, he said, Remember me to all the birds. Then he wagged his paw and went away to all, shouting out these pathetic words Goodbye. Oh, I'm so dear baby, dear, from your eye. Though we're all so far, I know, I know. I'll be single, the death we go, don't cry, don't cry. There's a silver lightning in the sky. From oh, my old since you, yo, kink, kink, da, boo, tuk, loo, goodbye. At the compass, down at you. Convalescent dressed in blue. Had to hear Lady Lee, who had turned 83, sing all the old, old songs she knew. Then she made a speech and said, I look upon you boys with pride, and for what you've done, I'm going to kiss each one. Then they all grabbed their sticks and cried, Goodbye! Goodbye, I went to dear baby dear from your eye. Though it's hard, too hard, I know, I know. I feel because I'd have to go. Don't cry, don't cry. There's a silver lining in the sky. On my old tin cheerio, cheat, cheat, na, boo, tootaloo, goodbye. Private Catholic saw. He was the prisoner of war. Till the hun with the gun called his pig dog for fun, then Paddy punched him on the door. Right across the barbed wire fence. The German dropped, saying, dear, oh dear. All the wire gave away and had a yell, hooray, as he ran for the Dutch frontier. Goodbye, goodbye. good night. Good White, dear, baby, dear from your eyes. Though it's hard, too hard, I, I know, know, I know. I see, nickel and to go gold. Don't cry, don't cry. There's a silver lining in the sky.